Welcome back to The Evolution. My name is Jeff Bayless. In this episode, I've got Chief Grant Kahn, and we discuss mental health. He talks about his story and his message. I don't want to discuss it too much prior to the show. I'll just let you dive in, and uh, we'll try to wrap up at the end and uh, give you some takeaways. All right, enjoy. All right, hey, man. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, obviously, we're practicing our social distancing uh, with the Zoom method here. Um, otherwise, I would have loved to have you in person. But uh, thanks for coming and uh, sharing your story and your message, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, of course. No problem. Thank you for having me on here. So uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, uh, what got you into the Navy, uh, kind of, you know, get, give us a timeline as much as you feel comfortable doing so anyway, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Um, so my name is Grant Conbolino or Grant Khan. Um, I am a chief. I'm an NCC, but I'm a recruiting type. NCC, so not the, uh, I guess not the career counseling side of it. I'm a career recruiter. I joined the Navy in 2008. I joined as an electrician, E1, fresh out of high school, out of Staten Island, New York. Um, absolutely no idea what I was doing. I, I just, I knew I wanted to join a branch, but I really didn't care what branch it was. So I just went through whatever door was open at the recruiting station. Navy door was open. And, uh, yeah, left for boot camp August 5th, 2008. Um, obviously, the Great Lakes. Went to my first ship, USS Samuel B. Roberts. What, uh, well, what drove you? You knew you wanted to join the military, but what drove you to that? Just like a call to service, or what was the, the motive? So, I I actually wasn't born in this country. I was born in uh, Kazakhstan and mm. immigrated here over into the United States. Um, but a big thing for me was when I was about, how old was I? When I was five, my dad was actually deported for criminal activities here in the United States. Oh, uh, like I said, I'm, yeah, I'm a hundred percent open to sharing whatever. Um, yeah, he was deported out of the United States, and I kind of grew up without, like, that father figure. Mm. You know, I had my grandparents. They worked, um, you know, and my grandpa did a lot. My grandma did a lot. So my mom and my sister. Um, but I didn't have, like, a lot of those things that, you know, like a dad, I guess, should teach you. Hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I think the military will be really good for that kind of just to like get some independence and um, just some self-confidence and learn some things and find some people to look up to. Um, so that's kind of what drove me into it. I don't just want to go to college because at that point I was a huge like mommy's boy and grandma's boy and everything. I was like attached <laughs> to their leg. Yeah. I felt like if I went to college, it'd be the same thing. So I wanted to like, detach as fast and as hard as possible and that's what like got me thinking about the military yeah so i guess you're kind of craving that that mentorship and that structure that was kind of the guy yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so and then uh i guess you said electrician right so that that just was what was open at the time or yeah um so they offered me what was it five jobs they offered me EM, GSM, GSE, Corman, and SH. 
And again, like I said, I was, I was attached to my mom and my grandma and my mom actually went, this was in Fort Hamilton in uh, Brooklyn maps. My mom actually went to the back uh, to sit down with the processors Mm -hmm. and we chose the job together. Now being a recruiter, I'm like, how did they pull that off to get my mom (laughs) back there? Because like you could never do something like that again. Yeah. Um, and they offered me uh, ten thousand, or they offered me a bonus. They offered me ten thousand dollars to extend for one more year, and I said no because I was one hundred percent going to get out of the navy. Oh, after that's everybody. My four years. Yeah, that's everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody that tells me like, oh, I'm just going to do my four and get out. I'm like, yeah, cool. Join the club. Here we are, twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool, man. So yeah, and then you went to the Sammy B. Yeah, went to the Sammy B. Um, amazing loved it um i got there terrified having absolutely no idea what to do i mean a school is a school they teach you how everything should be where all the tools will be you know everything will go right you know you'll find the flaw when you're troubleshooting the first time every time uh and then i went there and it was just like a smack of reality yeah yeah great great you're a technical expert now here's the broom and a needle gun and uh you have burning cleaners (laughs) <laughs> yep 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 exactly um but i went there and had a very small shop actually i was the only em yeah uh, except except for the two emcs on board uh, my lpo was a gse mm. and you know just started from there like the learning process and everything started there and so uh, how did you end up becoming an nc how did that work out for you yeah, um, so I did a couple deployments on the Sammy B. Then I went IA in between that, uh, where I was kind of like translating and stuff because I could still speak um, Russian. And then I went to the Peleliu out of San Diego, deployed a couple times on her. When were you on? Uh, when were you on Peleliu? I was on Peleliu 2012 to 2015. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll have to talk off mic. I I have some friends that were there then. Uh, I I yeah. was on Pelu two thousand to two thousand five. So, oh okay, yeah, it was my first ship, shiny nickel. Yeah. Yep. 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 Cool. Um, yeah. So you did but, two deployments on Pelu. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another like, I was I was leaving the Sam B Roberts. Like I had my EL letter. Um, I thought I was, you know amazing i knew exactly what i was doing i'm going to go to the pelu it's going to go great and as soon as i got on board because the um the sammy b was gas turbine mm-hmm. and the pelu was steam yeah. as soon as i got on board i'm like hey look guys like i know i'm just an em2 but i have my el letter edo like i know what i'm doing they're like okay cool here's the light off procedure and they <laughs> threw this eos down and it was probably like I don't even know. In my eyes, it was like 250 pages. It was huge. I'm like, okay, I'll go ahead and start with sounding and security. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? It was just like yeah. a huge like wake up call. Um, but yeah, it did a, you know, did some, did a couple deployments on her, and then it was RDC recruiting. And I originally started screening for RDC, and then for some reason, like that fell through, or my orders got cut, and the detailer was like, hey, you can go recruiting at NRD Philly. And that was it. That's where the recruiting started. What was the uh, what was the IA tour in between there? Um, so it was it was 
it was really strange. Um, kind of like my CEO got an email and it was from the CNO's office. And it's like, hey, you have this person here. He needs to screen for deployment. Um, I had to take a lie detector test. I was really hoping they weren't going to ask me, like, have you ever slept on watch? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had to take, like, a lie detector test. And, like I said, it was pretty much just using my language overseas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, around this time in your personal life, what's going on? So, you, you end up, obviously, I mean, I, f- I follow you and I, I know your story. But, so, mm-hmm. at some point, you got married and you have kids and uh, personal life is trending in a good direction there. and. Yeah. Um, so I met my wife in Florida, right in Mayport, right before I transferred. Um, and I went from Florida to San Diego and she followed me from Florida to San Diego. And then from San Diego to New Jersey, she followed me there too. And we ended up getting married and having two kids nice. that are making a bunch of noise downstairs right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. So, um, I guess, you know, you, uh, you selected the, the recruiting program uh, mm-hmm. because you were looking for shore duty. You had done back-to-back sea duty, I'm assuming, and then it was time to come up for shore to kind of get your seashore rotation going. And then yep. um, how, did, how did that tour affect you, or at what point did you kind of hit your, your spot where, you know, you, you get to the resilience piece where you talk about now? Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually started happening when I was on the Peleliu. Um, so, you know, I deployed a lot on my first ship and then immediately into an IA and then immediately into a deployment on the Peleliu. Um, and I thought that I was, you know, totally fine and everything. And I started seeing that I wasn't, but I was trying to mask that and hide it just because I had that like tough mentality, like this is going to go away. You don't need to ask for help. People are going to look at you like you're weak. You just checked on board the ship. You know, all those like normal um, thoughts were running through my head. And, you know, I kind of talked to my wife. I brought it up to her and she was really the one that pushed me to go and, you know, get help. And even though she pushed me to get it, I still was like, okay, well, yeah, sure. I'll go get help. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then every time I come home, I'd be like, oh, yeah, medical is busy or medical this or medical that. But finally, one day I was like, you know, enough is enough. Um, I'm going to go up and talk to the doc. Now, some of the things that were happening was um, I started feeling anxiety, um, started having some PTSD. But the biggest thing was uh, reoccurring dreams. Yeah. So I had the same dream over and over and over again, three, four, five times a week. And I would wake up in cold sweats or I would wake up screaming or I'd, you know, sit up, you know, like in my sleep. So yeah, I just, while I was on the pillow, I went up and spoke to the doc up there. What was the dream? Um, so the dream was, it was kind of like, and even now I still get it sometimes like whether we'd be in a compartment and the compartment would start flooding or one of the biggest ones was like you know we'd be going into let's say like a clearer room and I'd be the first person into the room and I'd raise my weapon and there's a person standing there with a weapon pointing at me and I go to pull the trigger and nothing happens and then that person pulls the trigger and I wake up yeah yeah, those anxiety dreams. Uh, yeah, 
I had a dream uh, and, you know, I don't know that these are all related, but, you know, obviously everybody that listens to this knows my story. And, you know, I think part of the reason I wanted to have you on was just to talk about this process of, you know, getting help or analyzing, you know, the, I mean, not even analyzing is the right word, but just identifying when there's something going on, right? Like if you're having some sort of anxiety, like the first step is identifying it and then doing something about it, right? Then getting help or whatever. Mm. Uh, I used to have this dream where the, the, uh, there was this like uh, artificial tsunami created uh, somehow by like a foreign government that caused all the ships to crash into the pier. And uh, it was really weird, man. But yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, you know, that, that, that anxiety you can get, you know, through uh, wh- however that manifests. Right. So for you, it was these, these dreams and these, this anxiety. Right. And so you ended up talking mm-hmm. to the doc and then what did the doc, how, how did that, you know, were you chastised and were you ostracized or, you know, how, how did the command, uh, what, what did that look like after you did reach out for help? Um, yeah. So I, I went up to the doc and I told my LPR quarters, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go to medical. And he was like, Hey, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm starting to, you know, have these issues and have these reoccurring dreams. And he was 100% supportive. He was like, you know, go for it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people fear the most is how their leadership or how their chain of command or how their fellow peers are going to respond to it. Um, And to me, it got to the point to where I don't want to say I didn't care, but I put my mental health and my life as the priority and not what other people, you know, will think of me. Yeah. But I went up there and I started talking to him and it, it was like nothing was happening you know I didn't my peers didn't say anything different um my supervisors they asked me a little bit you know they would check up on me every now and then like hey how are things going but they didn't like baby me which you know I wasn't looking for that either yeah you know so really it wasn't a a big change They, they were very supportive of it and so were all the other EMs on on board so, but other than the anxiety, you had suicidal ideations too, or was it just the dreams or how did that manifest? Uh, it, it was, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was just the dreams. Um, did, did that come across my mind sometimes? You know, yes, but it wasn't like as heavy to the point to where, you know, I, I spoke to the doctor about it, but it was more of the anxiety, the PTSD, the reoccurring dreams. It was leading up to that. Yeah, but the suicidal ideations wasn't the main uh, reason why I went up to go get help. So what what was the actual help? Like, what was the form of the help? Was it a prescription? Was it uh, counseling? Was it hey, read this book? Um, like, what 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 did they give you as like skills or coping mechanisms? Yeah, so he prescribed me anti anxiety medicine, which I didn't take, um, but he did say, hey, you know, I want to try something with you, and it's called sleep reconstruction. Mm. and I always thought that sleep reconstruction like as soon as he told me that the first thing that popped into my mind was total recall Arnold laying down (laughs) in that you know like pod Mm -hmm. and that thing connect to your brain him going to sleep and that's what I was thinking I was like oh that's pretty cool plug into matrix yeah yeah Yeah, but it wasn't that at all um what it was um he was like every time you have this dream 
I want you to wake up and I want you to write down the outcome. And I want you to call me. He was like, I don't care when it is. You could call me, you could text me if we're, you know, underway, you can come up to medical. He's like, I, I don't care what it is. Just, just get in contact with me. Mm-hmm. So I would have this dream and I'd write it down and I'd get in contact with him and be like, okay, so what happened? So I tell him, you know, I go into a room, I pull the trigger and nothing happens. He was like, okay, well, do you have a sidearm? And I'm like, I don't know. I never got that far. He's like, okay, well, the next time you have this dream, look at your hip or look at your thigh and see if you have a sidearm. So I have the dream again. I forget to do it. I have the dream again. I look down, I have a sidearm, but by now it's too late and I wake up. So I tell him like, Hey, I looked down and it was there. He's like, okay, we're making progress. Yeah. Next time I want you to take the sidearm out. And it took me a couple of times to get to it. But finally, um, I have the dream. I pull the trigger. Nothing happens. I take out my sidearm and I pull the trigger. It works. And I wake up. But this time when I wake up, it wasn't like that cold sweat, you know, anxiety dream. It was a very like relaxed, like, Hey, I just beat this thing. Yeah. Have Um, you, have you researched that later to see where that, that, um, you know, where that philosophy or that thought process comes from the, the, you know, have you looked into that? Like where he got that? uh, You just make that up or. (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go when we get done, man. I'm yeah, I'm really curious, like if that's a, you know, a, a learned, you know, uh, prescription to, to help someone uh, or at least a, a process. Right. Uh, right. So obviously it worked. Right. And uh, you, I guess, was it instantly you felt better or what? what you know? Oh, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was instantly. It was like a weight off of just like it, it was really like that. They took the elephant off of your back or off of your chest, you know, like you could breathe and. You know, I could go to sleep and relax and when I'm going to sleep, I could calm down because I know that, hey, let's say I have this dream. I now know what to do. Yeah, you have the tools to handle it, right? Yeah. Did uh did your wife or your kids, did they notice a change in you? And uh, did were there any, you know, I don't know, were you able to show up as your best self, I guess would be the real question to ask, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife did for sure. My kids weren't around yet, but definitely. Yep. That's interesting. So, um, what about at work? Was your, did your performance, you know, change in any way or, you know, were you able to, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I always tried, like I said, you know, I try to hide it for the most part. So, you know, a, a lot of people around me didn't notice that I was going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest, I don't want to say, I'm trying to find like the best way to put this, you know, when we talk about suicide and when we talk about people attempting suicide or committing suicide, we're always so shocked. We're always like, you know, oh my God, how could that have happened? Because the, when we, we think and the training or whatever that, that we have sometimes it's always like, you know, is this person depressed? Is this person crying or, you know, is their work performance slipping? Are they selling things? But that's not yeah. always the case. You know, there, sometimes there's people that hide it. Yeah. And 
on the outside, everything is perfectly normal and they're great and they're excelling at work and they're doing amazing things. But on the inside, it's a totally different story. Yeah. You know, so with me, it was more of that case to where like, I, I wouldn't show it that I was struggling with something, you know, to my peers or to my supervisors until I actually went and spoke to them about it. Yeah, and I think, I don't want to make an assumption, but I think what's interesting is maybe that might have been the catalyst for you to move into kind of like what you're doing now. Uh, you know, obviously you're a career recruiter, right? So you're in the business of helping sailors. I mean, legitimately, mm -hmm. like you don't turn a wrench anymore. You don't troubleshoot electrical problems on a ship. Like you're in the business of helping sailors uh, fundamentally, right? That That is the fundamental, what is the definition of like a career recruiter anyway? Like do you do you have yeah like i mean that's and that's really what they do they're career recruiters i like uh, well for me now it's a little bit different because i'm not recruiting mm -hmm. um and i'm like totally out of the community but you know ncs out there that are in the, that are career recruiters they're you know that's that's what they're in charge of but it's a little bit more technical so you know we're supposed to be like the subject matter experts on hot zip codes and prospecting techniques and, you know, like pretty much, I don't, I don't want to call it headhunting, but like on the civilian sector. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it would be like. Yeah. And so like after you got into this field of basically helping sailors and recruiting sailors, right? Like the, the mm -hmm. move then, you know, and I've, I've listened to your podcast on a uh, don't give up the ship and uh, you know, I've, I've seen what you're doing on social media and stuff and you're, you're basically reaching out to people like I'm not on Reddit, but I do see the um, the importance and the the good that can be done with reaching sailors uh, via social media, right? Or podcasts or YouTube or, you know, we got to reach them where they are, right? And uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about like what you're doing in that endeavor in that field. Yeah. Um, so when I was, when I first started recruiting, I started using social media very heavily um, just for recruiting. And I was like, hey, like this, this works. This is great. And Navy Recruiting Command saw that and they're like, hey, we want you down in Millington, Tennessee. So from NRD Philadelphia, I went down to Millington, Tennessee, where I started doing that too, um, but more on like a national level to where I was traveling around and training other recruiters how to, you know, how to use social media to find um, to find new prospects to find future sailors um, and then last year when I started all of this um, or the reason why I started all this last year was because in December one of my close friends committed suicide mm -hmm. and I mean him and I were on boarding teams together and gun shoots and um, so him and I were close and he committed suicide and then a few months later, another close friend of mine committed suicide. And at that point, I was like, hey, like, like, what is going on? You know, and that, I knew it happened in the Navy. You know, I saw the numbers and I would see the, the Navy Times stories and all that stuff. But I guess like it, it just hits so close to home now mm -hmm. that I was like, what is happening? Why are people out there hurting and not getting help like I did? So in February or March, I don't really remember, I, you know, I kind of called my wife because I was in Pensacola at the time. 
and I'm like, hey, I'm going to make a video in my uniform about suicide and talk about it. And I'm not going to bring this up to anyone in my chain of command. I'm just going to do it. Um, because like, yeah. sometimes I'm more of like an ask for forgiveness person. And sometimes when you bring something like that up, take some guts. Yeah. Yeah. But like it, it needs to go through this person and that person and then that person. And then someone else wants to get involved and they chop down the entire message. And you know, what, what you wanted to put out in the first place, it isn't, you know, now the finished product. Right. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And she's like, okay, well, what can happen if you do it? I was like, well, potentially I can, you know, I will most likely never get promoted again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I am most likely going to stay a chief the rest of my time in the Navy. And she's like, okay, do it. Hey, there are worse things than that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So I look, at, I look at my reversion as a promotion, bro. <laughs> So, yeah, I went on there and I'm like, hey, like, you know, let's talk. What's happening? You know, I told them my story and uh, on that first post and um, I told them, you know, different steps that they could take. And then from there, it, you know, it did extremely well. And Reddit is one of those places where it's an anonymous platform. Right. And that's why I wanted to do it there. I wanted that, you know, hey, like, who is this guy in uniform, you know, giving out his identity, putting out his phone number on Reddit. And I almost wanted people to roast me and talk crap about me in the comments because I wanted to see exactly what I could work on or how I can improve. And if you go on Reddit, uh, chiefs have a very, um, like more often than not, they're torn apart on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I was ready for it. And that was my first post ever on Reddit. Like I said, it did very well and people were asking for more and people started reaching out to me and I got to the point to where I started doing videos almost daily Yeah, about mental health. And yeah, that's, that's really how it began. You know, I think, uh, I think junior sailors are just people in general can really smell uh, inauthenticity. You know, if, if you're not, you know, and that's probably what you did is you, you, you on a forum that's typically uh, anonymous, you said, Hey, look, I'm just here to help legitimately. Like I'm just here to help. So therefore I'm going to provide all my contact information. I'm going to put myself out here, you know, in an effort to be of service to you guys. And I think they know, or I think just, I mean, if we're not even talking about junior sailors, we're just talking about human beings in general, like they can tell if you're being real or not, you know, and that, that's probably mm-hmm. exactly why it was well received and why it resonated. And, uh, you know, you were talking about using uh, Reddit and how, you know, you were afraid to go out on that forum. I think what we're taught or what we see a lot are these like, these are your left and right parameters of what you can do on social media. Right. Like I get asked that a lot too. Like people are like, man, aren't you afraid? Like, you know, having a podcast while you're on active duty or like, you know, go, doing these talks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, man, like absolutely not there. You know, we, we are trained to this like left and right of what we can and can't say, which that's good. Right. Like we need, we need parameters. Like we need the social media guidance. We need the, you know, Hey, don't, 
don't violate OPSEC, obviously, right? But it, there's a lot of good mm-hmm. that we can use on these platforms as well. And I think that that's the conversation that we need to be having more is like, there's a lot of good it, with every post, with every video, with every podcast, you have an opportunity to do some real good. We shouldn't only talk about the left and right limitations, but also the potential, you know, in, in sharing your message and yeah. sharing your story. There's a lot of potential out there if you're smart about it, if you're not, you know, obviously violating OPSEC or doing inappropriate things. But if you genuinely are trying to help somebody, I think social media, podcasts, Reddit, all this stuff is a really good place for, and that's what we should be exploring right now, you know? So kudos yep. to you, man. Like I, I really respect that. Uh, and it, it is scary. You know, I think it is scary for a lot of people who don't know how to navigate this stuff uh, or maybe scary is the wrong word, but it can be, um, even with me, like just learning how to get all the tech together, you know, like you're just trying to figure mm-hmm. out this mess, you know, but you got to, you got to jump off at some point and start, right? That's the, you know, the journey right. of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So with you, it was that first post, I guess. And then now I can only imagine tons of people reach out to you now, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't really know how, how it started or, you know, I, I think junior sailors or sailors in general are, you know, they, they know I'm a chief and, you know, they know I'm still active duty, but I think they're more comfortable reaching out to me just because, you know, I'm totally outside of their chain of command. Right. And I opened up that communication barrier. And I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to, you know, mental health or even, you know, even leadership is you need to break down the communication barrier. And if you talk about it and you talk about your personal story and you share your experiences and you share your downfalls and what keeps you up at night, your sailors are going to do the same thing to you. That's right. Yeah. That's and right. that's when you'll really notice if something's going on or, you know, that's when that sailor will feel comfortable coming to you and saying, you know, like, like I, I just had one yesterday. Someone texted me and it was like, Hey chief, you know, I want to talk to you. I'm going to DRB and I'm really not in a good mindset. And you know, him and I had an hour long conversation. I never even knew his name. Oh yeah. Cool. You know, so yeah, I definitely think that's, you know, yeah. And that's, what that's, needs to be done. that's something we could all, you know, I think as chiefs that something we should take a hard look at or at least raise an eyebrow at is, you know, the, the, this closed door mentality of the chief's mess, right? And this, you know, all these mantras we have that we say, like, we're, uh, you know, ask the chief, results, not excuses. Uh, well, ask the chief's a pretty good one, actually. I like that one. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, some of these are kind of like they're, they're limiting barriers for our ability to reach sailors, uh, in my opinion, uh, because, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but Brene Brown uh, wrote a book called The Power of Vulnerability. And uh, basically the whole premise of the book is that you're, you're more powerful, you're more courageous, you're more impactful when you're vulnerable first, you know, and if, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can show that vulnerability, then it lets, you know, those that are looking up to you or at least looking for some sort of guidance, it lets them know that you you have been in their situation, you know, like we always say, I would never ask you to do something that I haven't done, but then we don't talk about these really hard topics. You know, I would never put you in a JLG to paint the side of the ship, 
you know, because I've done that. So, of course, you're capable of doing that. We talk about the work stuff, right? But we don't talk about the really hard topics, sexual abuse, suicide, uh, you know, even, you know, drugs. Like I had a sailor that worked for me that, you know, popped on the air analysis. He's still a sailor. You know, I mean, he's going to get out of the Navy now. You know, you're going to have to move on to something else now, but you're still a human being and you're still collecting a paycheck until the last day. And so, I, you know, kudos to you, man. And again, I, I really respect it. I, I think to, to put a pin on it, though, is that you were vulnerable first and that is the power, you know, and that's, that's how you're able to reach people is with that vulnerability first. Yeah, definitely. So uh, tell us, so what else, what other good have you been able to do on Reddit? I guess. So like I saw something the other day, like where a sailor had posted something and then like you were able to like, basically your goal is to try to find them, right? Because it's so anonymous. So your goal is to try to, to reach out to them. Uh, is that hard yeah. to do or how does that work? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely hard to do. And, you know, th- this is also something that I started, you know, back, in, you know, in, in February. Um, you know, I, I don't really want to say do it all the time because I don't want people to get scared to, you know, reach out to me. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if, if you and I are talking and you are really in a bad spot and I'm worried that you are going to hurt yourself, I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, to try to find you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, using social media and using, you know, our network, I've been, fairly successful in trying to, you know, track down who made this post and getting them help. And almost every time, you know, I would have that person reach out to me again and be like, Hey, thank you for finding me. Or, you know, thank you for contacting my command. That's what I was scared to do. Thank you for getting me help. Uh, I've never really had any, um, you know, any negative responses to that yet. Yeah. I mean, even if I would argue that even if you do get a negative response for that, it was worth it. Right. I mean, (laughs) yeah. If you save a life and somebody's mad at you, well, you know, there was some greater good there, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, cool, man. So uh, I do have one question that I want to ask um, that I teed up, but before that, is there, is anything you wanted to share or anything you wanted to kind of any truth Moabs you wanted to leave? Um. No, I think, you know, I think we really talked about all of it. You know, we talked about, you know, communicating and that's, yeah, that's, that's really everything. Cool. Yeah. And so if somebody, I'll, I'll put like links into the show notes, if you want me to, uh, you can mm-hmm. send over some stuff and we can talk off mic about that. But uh, I know you're pretty open to sailors reaching out to you. So I'll do a good job of trying to make sure that I connect uh, that with this episode. Um, yeah, absolutely. So my last question, and I pretty much ask everybody this because it's a philosophy that I've worked on for quite a while. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been my experience anyway that I was so worried about my legacy and my reputation that I worried very little on a day-to-day basis about my value system and my character, right? And so yeah. what I kind of learned is that if I worried more about what my values are that make up my character, which then my reputation and legacy takes care of itself, right? Like, all of that stuff happens yeah. autonomously. If I just worried more about my character and my value system, my reputation is, uh, you know, it's, it's going to happen automatically. 
So the question is, uh, Grant Kahn, you know, if, if I were to write this in this book and you'd never read it, but this is my interpretation of your character, what would you hope that I wrote in this book about your character? Ooh. That's what everybody says. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tough one. It's kind of, it's kind of like, that's kind of like an eval, you know, it's, it's hard to yeah. <laughs> write an eval write about, about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like harder to write about yourself. Um, I'm going to go ahead and need you to write your own award, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. English is also my second language. So um, I struggle with big words sometimes or like smart words. Um, <laughs> well, I am a bosom mate, so, you know, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of just, uh, pretty much my entire like time in the Navy, it's, it's always, or for the most part, my time in the Navy, I've always had this mentality that one day I'm going to take my uniform off, mm -hmm. you know, and all this stuff that I did for 20 years or 15 years, if the Navy decides to kick me out, um, all that stuff will go away. It'll either go in a shadow box and hung up somewhere or under, you know, under my bed and I will never look at it again. Yeah. And if I don't, you know, that I have to take care of myself and most importantly, I have to take care of my family because on that day that I get out, they're the ones that are going to be standing there and they don't need a broken chief standing in front of them. They need a healthy dad. Yeah, for sure. You know, no one's going to care that, you know, I was a chief or that was a first class, God forbid, if something happens or, you know, no one's going to care about any of that. Mm -hmm. They're going to care. Hey, do I have a healthy dad standing in front of me? So yeah, I don't know. My thing is just like, take care, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, take care of your life, you know, be healthy. And that's, that's really, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question or not. I think you did, brother. I, I'm going to add something to yeah. it. Though. I, I think you, okay. you're, you're a little too humble there. I, I think, uh, you know, service is a huge part of your character. That's something I don't typically answer the question for you, but, uh, no, I'll take it. Yeah. I think service is huge. Uh, just from what I know of you, uh, service is huge, uh, in any way. Like when I reached out to you, you were like, I, I said, Hey, would you be willing to come on the podcast or whatever? And your exact answer, I remember, cause I went back through our text messages and it was like, any way I can help would be great. You know? So yeah. that just lets me know like, okay, this guy's really, you know, service minded. So, um, I got a lot of respect for that. And then, uh, before we jump off here, I do, uh, I want to, give you an open invitation to come back on here, but also we're looking to collaborate with some other uh, guys you probably know that are like doing podcasts and stuff, leadership development, stuff like that. Uh, so we'll be look, looking to probably loop you into some of these conversations if you're open to it, brother. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, Hey Grant, I appreciate you. And uh, I will, uh, I'll probably get this up here in about a week or so. Uh, and then I'll drop everything in show notes and stuff like that. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, sir. All right. Thanks, bro. And there you have my conversation with Grant Kahn. You know, I think there's a lot to take away from that short conversation. But, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway is no matter if you're a bricklayer, a shipbuilder, or a shipmate, you are a human being, first and foremost. And we all need to work harder on breaking down the stigma 
when it comes to mental health and getting the help you need. I know a lot of people that have reached out to me personally uh, since I've kind of had my waking up. Uh, and, you know, 99% of the time what I tell them is like, just go talk to somebody. You know, I'm glad you reached out to me and let's let's talk about it. But don't be afraid to go talk to somebody. You know, all these resources are out there for a reason, and they're there to help you be a better human being. They're not there to ruin your career. They're not there to dig in your wallet. You know, they're, they are really, all of these resources are available to you specifically to improve your mental health so that you can show up as the best version of yourself every single day at home, at work, in every facet of your life. So I would just encourage you to uh, reach out for those resources, reach out to Grant Khan, reach out to me. Uh, if, you're, if you're going through a struggle right now, if you're having a hard time, please, 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 please don't make any poor decision that is not only going to impact you, but uh, impact those around you. You know, just, just use the lifeline, all right? Uh, you can reach me at Jeff underscore Bayless underscore at Instagram. Uh, you know, we can connect like that. However you have to or whoever you need to reach out to, again, I would just encourage you uh, and, you know, just don't be afraid uh, because on the other side of that tunnel, there is light. And the only thing that extinguishes darkness is light. And the only way to really get there, at least it's been my experience, is through getting some help. And that can look like a lot of different things, but the first step of a thousand miles is that first step, right? Or the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So you have to take that first step. And that first step is picking up the phone and making the phone call. And so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you did, please give me some feedback. Let me know. Uh, and then again, you know, I don't ask for anything, but if you enjoyed that or got something out of it, share it with somebody that needs to hear it. Uh, give me a review. Give me a you know, a comment, give me some feedback, but m more importantly, just share it with someone that needed to hear that. Uh, cause that, that's really what this project is all about. It's about you. It's about service. And, uh, that episode was about mental health. I love you guys out here. <laughs>